I wasn't afraid to fail. And as a matter of fact, I never even looked at failure as failure. I looked at it as a learning process. Mm. Like, if things didn't go my way, I was like, all right, I'm going to learn from it, whether it was on the court or off the court. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the biggest thing. You know, don't be afraid to fail, man. Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. If you're doing it the right way, anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. Today, I'm making friends with Paul Pierce. How many people can say that they faced off against and defeated both LeBron James and Kobe Bryant in the same championship playoff run? Not many, but Paul Pierce can. I love this conversation with the legendary Hall of Famer. We discussed so many things in this episode that I can't wait for you to hear, including me kind of calling him out for being a Boston Celtic. The thing is, he used to be a Laker fan, then he became a Celtic, and now he lives back in L.A., And I asked him the question that I think everybody has, which is, well, are you a Laker fan or are you a Celtic fan? Being a Laker fan growing up, watching the Showtime Lakers, and then playing in Boston all those years, and then now living in LA, I had to ask the question. I couldn't help myself. Uh, So you're definitely going to want to hear his answer to that question. And we talked about excellence, how to become world-class at what it is that you do. And Paul Pierce is definitely one of those people that understands that concept to its fullest extent. So please, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Paul Pierce. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today, I'm sitting down in studio with Paul Pierce. What's up, dude? Thanks so much for joining me on the show, man. Appreciate you taking the time. On the show, we like to reverse engineer world-class performers Mm -hmm. and try to at least instill some principles back into the minds of people that are listening, checking this out so they can apply it and whatever else you know, they got going on. But before we do that, I always like to, I always like to take it back and maybe talk about some stuff that you don't normally get to talk about. So let's rewind the clock. Nine-year-old, 10-year-old Paul Pierce. (laughs) Set set the scene, man. What was life like for you? Nine, 10 years old. 19 years old, man. Life was easy. (laughs) My mom cooked for me every day. (laughs) Dropped me off at school. I had no responsibilities. And uh, I could just play in the park all day. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, huh? A little bit easier back then. A little bit easier back then. Yeah. You didn't have to worry same, about taxes or son, kids man. or anything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> taxes, man. Oh, man, fuck that. Okay, so, uh, so nine, ten years old. Oh, where, where'd you grow up? I was born in Oakland, California, okay. but raised in Inglewood. Down uh, right next to where we are right now. Yep. Okay. Yep. At what point as a kid did basketball become the thing for you? I think I started taking, what point did basketball become the thing? Because when I was a kid, I played all sports. I yeah, was into baseball, football. I was just out there with my friends. But I think when I really started to take it serious, it had to be like, I have to say like my sophomore year. Okay. I think I was, I went from like a six foot one freshman. Then I grew three inches that summer. Oh, and then I was just like, I quit all the other sports. So yeah. I was just like, just mainly started concentrating on basketball. When I knew I could dunk, I was like, you know what, maybe basketball. <laughs> Yeah, it could this be the is, sport. This is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, you know, so I think that's when I really started taking this serious because I dropped all the other sports because my first love was baseball, to be honest. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I love football, too. Basketball was kind of like my third love, but majority okay. of my friends play basketball, and so, and then I grew, and so I stuck with basketball. So yeah, yeah, no kidding. It turned kidding. out all right. 
I like basketball. I played a lot of basketball as a kid, I think, because it was like one of the easiest sports to play by yourself. Yeah, it didn't cost anything. Yeah, right, you know right. You have saying? to just get you a got, basketball. And then you, you, you don't have to go get a helmet. <laughs> right. or You don't have to have 12 people on the court. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So it's the most cost You don't have somebody sport. like throw the ball at you. Like <laughs> exactly. you literally just grab a ball and go shoot. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, so you don't, you don't have a bunch of people. Just easy. Just easy. Yeah, you can go by yourself. Yeah. Everything else, you needed another person. Right. Was it intentional for you to go all the way to the pros at that point? Or was it just like, I really like basketball. Let's see how far this can take me. Man, I think it was just like short-term goals back then. Because a lot yeah. of kids where I grew up in just wasn't even going to college. It was yeah. just like, man, if I could use this to go to college. Because I got two other brothers that got scholarships playing sports. My oldest Older. brother. Yeah. So my oldest brother got a scholarship to play basketball in Wyoming. And my other middle brother had a scholarship playing baseball in Fresno State. So my okay. thing was, I got to see if I can, you know, live up to Sure. Yeah. What my older brothers did. The expectation is, can I, you know, play a sport in college? Can I get a scholarship? Was I good enough for that? So before the NBA dream became, it was just like trying to just get to college. And, sure. Sure. You know, because a lot of kids in my neighborhood, they didn't they didn't get to college. You know, a lot of the kids either ended up working or you doing things they didn't want to do. Right. Right. They had to. Right. It was uh, an options thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you remember the point where you felt like? It's different for me. Like I, f- I feel like I'm at the point right now where I can see this becoming something. Or did that not happen until you were already playing college? No, oh, man. Actually, after my junior year in high school, so my junior year, I just kind of like exploded. Like I'm talking about zero to a hundred. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I wind up getting player of the year in California over like seniors, guys who were seniors who were all Americans. Wow. McDonald's all Americans. And so I got Southern California player of the year as a junior. You know, we go into do, do you attribute that to anything? Or just like I, just, I attribute that to my hard work. I think yeah. it's the dedication too. Yeah. You know, I got up at five AM to catch the bus to get to school at six AM to work on my game, to go to class sweaty. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And just to, you know, that's how serious I took it at that point. Yeah. It was just like, you know, when well, you grew up where I grew up, man. You have friends who've been murdered, and, and you just try to you just try to stay out the street life, yeah, you know, because it's yeah. all around you. And a lot you know, of distractions. I got up, I got up at five a.m. just to get to school, <laughs> just to play ball. There's full grown adults who still won't do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> you know I mean? But then a lot of times, like if you got on the seven or thirty bus, it was a little rowdy. So I was just like, this makes sense. I'm gonna I'm gonna just get to the gym, get on the bus yeah. early before everybody wake up. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> so, so you start excelling, right? Yeah. Like you start seeing the, the the fruits of your labor, the results yeah. of your hard work, because you start taking off of over and above what everybody else is doing. At that time, if you're that high ranked of a player, what what are you thinking in your mind as a 16 year old kid that's getting all of this, you know, attention? I could probably go to a big time college and thrive. Really? So still yeah. not even thinking it's still, pros? It's still not even yeah. thinking pro yet. Wow. I'm telling you, I just want to go to a big-time college yeah. and, and thrive and, you know, possibly be a starter, play on national television. Yeah. And then be know. like an accountant or something? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then, you know, I think it's all about sometimes about your short-term goals. Yeah, yeah. You know, of course, you want to have, in the back of my mind, yeah, I want to be a pro, but it was just like, all right, let me, yeah. let me conquer this goal. Let me take my baby steps. And then, sure. you know, I can focus on that long-term dream. Yeah. So you get to college. What was your, um, uh, your major? I majored in criminal justice. Okay. I wanted to be 
I wanted to do something law enforcement. I wanted okay. to be like uh, FBI agent or police, uh, some law detective or something along those lines. Yeah. So at, at what point were you like, nah, basketball? <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I believed I could go. After my freshman year, I was like, I, I really got an opportunity. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was one of the top freshmen in the country. And I was just like, oh, this really can really happen for me. You yeah. know, as long yeah. as I stay on the straight and narrow path and stay focused. How did you do that, dude? <laughs> I, I that's, that's tough, well, that's tough for anybody, Kansas. right? I, I went like, to Kansas, so, you know, being from L.A., going to Kansas, it's just like... I guess that's fair, yeah. for, for it to happen, I just stayed out there yeah, <laughs> in true. the summertime. Yeah. You know what what do you do in Kansas? You know, yeah. it's, it's nothing to do. It's nothing to do with poop and go to school. That's, so, like, summer comes, I come man. home for, like, a week, see my mom, and I'm back yeah. to Kansas. That's fair. You, know, you, you have to go wander in some fields for a while. Like, yeah, there's nothing to do out there, man. Nothing to do. You come to L.A. a whole summer, it's... So much to do, so many distractions. Right, right. I was like, man, I'm going to stay in Kansas. That's a good call, dude. That was a good call. <laughs> Probably that one Straight decision. Up. You know, right. but honestly, like there's such a huge lesson there because you you hear so often when people do kind of fall into the traps or fall into uh, distractions. And yeah. I think a lot of times it comes down to your environment and and people tend to start blaming their environment. And and I yeah. understand that some situations are different than, also than other situations. I'm not saying this is a blank as a blanket statement, but a lot of times, if you're an adult anyway, you have the ability to at least control your environment where yeah, you, you spend your time. You got to yeah. put yourself in the best position. Like, right. They like say, they always say, if you want to be smarter, hang around smarter people. Right. You want right. to be successful, hang around. I mean, that's it's a true statement. Right. Man. You want to be, you want to be great at something. You got to hang around other people. That's great, and you know, learn from them. Yeah. If you know you have a tendency to be distracted, then put like yourself me, in a I place where there's no distractions. Me, exactly, exactly. I knew that about me. I knew if yeah. I came home, I'd be with my friends, hanging out, doing this or that, whatever. Right. But right. I knew if I just stay put, I'm gonna do what nothing else to do but this. That has to be the difference, right? Because we've been talking about this with a couple of people lately. Where if you get to that level of college basketball everybody's good. Yeah. Right. Like everybody's a good basketball player. The difference between that and then like the NBA is the mentality and the extra work that you're willing to put in when those people are enjoying their college years or making the decision to go back home and hang out with their friends or go to the parties or drink or whatever else is, is on the table. And, and, and you, didn't do that. And that gave you that ability to like separate yourself even further from a pack of people who are already the best in the world yeah. at what they do. I mean, you got to equal your talent with your work, your hard work. Yeah. So if you're like already one of the most talented players, you got to match that with hard work. Yeah. You know, yeah. so many times I've seen so many players who are so talented, but didn't put the hard work in. And, yeah. You know, only the great ones, like you look at Kobe Bryant, he was so talented, but he matched it with his hard work, mm-hmm. his dedication. Yeah. And those are the truly great ones when they were able to match their talent with the hard work. Yeah, absolutely. Put you up in that category as well, man. Like you changed the game for a lot of people. So you coming out of, started, you know, spending your summers in, in Kansas in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> playing basketball. <laughs> That's the thing I could have been, though, <laughs> At what point are you like, I'm making it? Like, this is, this is actually going to happen. Was that a big moment, not just for you, but for the rest of your family? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, once I saw myself on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a sophomore, I was like, well, hold on. Yeah. This could really happen, man. I'm telling you. And then, you know, you got people who are going to be gassing you up, talking like, man, you this, you that. But you see, you don't always listen to that and rest on what you've already accomplished. You want to go further. You're like, all mm. right, I know I can make it. Yeah. All right, so now... 
I'm already projected to make it. Now I'm like, hold on, I want to be the number one pick now. Like, so like that's, yeah. that's what I'm thinking. Like, all right, I got to go hard because now I'm projected to be what? 16 to 20. All right, hold on. I need to work my way up to be projected to be a number one pick. Yeah, of course. You know, that's the reason I didn't leave my sophomore year. I was projected to go between 6 and 17. Okay. And I was like, all right, I'm going to come back one more year because I think I could be the number one pick. Mm. And that wow. was my mindset. Cause I wanted to be the number one pick. Now I didn't become the number one pick. Yeah, yeah. I ended up the tenth pick, but that even fueled me more. You know what? Right. It's nine players that think better than me. All right. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Ask me in a decade. <laughs> Ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when you're in your rookie season, did you play any of the people that beat you in the draft and uh, have that kind of yeah, a feeling? Yeah. You play. Yeah, well, it wasn't about the players. It was about the general managers. Mm. It was about the coaches, you know, because them are the guys who work. They were making while, the picks. Who yeah. making the picks yeah. and making the decisions. So I want them to know when, dang, we had a chance to draft him. Yeah, right. Then right. Like, like the Kobe, back, like the Kobe thing. Like our the, franchise yeah. back 10 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, and they did. You know what, what, they what, did. What, what pleased me the most is seeing those guys get fired. And, and yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. making bad decisions. Yeah, so exactly. Like, you know, that was like more satisf- satisfaction for me. I was like, all right, he got fired after my first three years. I think he made <laughs> that. And I'm yeah. still doing pretty well. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, still, I'm still climbing the charts. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, NBA career, I mean, legendary NBA career, man. Congrats on all the on all the success that you were able to accomplish with you, your teammates, and uh, the amazing squads that you guys put together. I have to confess, I didn't like you for quite a while. I'm a Lakers fan from yeah. LA area and, uh, <laughs> you know, me, Boston. Yeah. And, and you're from LA, yeah. right? So growing up, were you looking at that being like, when you put on a Boston Jersey, did it feel weird for you? Like coming from Inglewood? Oh, absolutely. Well, it felt weird for me when they called my name in the draft room. I mean, it's no secret. I'm a Lakers fan. I grew up right here in Inglewood where the Lakers play. Yeah. My idol was magic Johnson. Yeah. And so that was like, out of all the teams, 30 teams, <laughs> this is the one team. This is the one team that I don't want to go to or play for. So and that's what makes it so ironic. Yeah. And then this is the one team I end up playing against in the finals. Yeah, right. And so it's, it's you know, it's everything come full circle. It's like, man. Uh, by the way, I'm making a documentary about this, by the way. So, oh, are you? you know, yeah. Awesome. So I'm working awesome. on that right now. So look out for it. Yeah, when does that come out? We pitching it right now. So, okay. There you, you know, go. It's in, it's in the works. Well, um, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll be sitting on my couch watching it sometime real <laughs> soon, dude. And I will definitely be watching that. Cause like, Hope yeah, the that, truth with nothing but the truth. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> awesome, dude. So those are the kind of stuff that you think about, like when you never have the chance of making it to something like that, but mm-hmm. it's gotta be crazy. It's gotta be just this crazy thing to be like on the team that you were actively rooting against putting yeah. on the Jersey and then also bringing home more championships and banners to put in, in, you know, that's yeah. in that, uh, in that arena as well. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% 
of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So you said magic was your idol growing up. Yeah. How come? I mean, I'm right here. I got a poster on my wall. I mean, Showtime, LA, they win the championships. I mean, how could you even be from LA and not be a Lakers yeah, fan? Yeah. How could you not be? Especially during those, those years, man. Fan? Yeah. I mean, that was the most exciting time for NBA that you could think of. You got yeah. one of the most electrifying, polarizing, iconic players to ever play the game. And you get yeah. to see him on TV and it's your home team every night. I mean, I, I mean, that was. Amazing. I remember when I first saw him in person, I was just like, whoa, that's magic. And I'm a yeah. kid. They practiced at my high school because, you know, back then in the early 90s, they didn't have practice facilities. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had a chance to see magic and then jump in this Mercedes Benz. And I'm like, that's the guy that's right the there. That's the guy right yeah. there, yeah. man. So yeah, that was sick. like, that was, you know, so now like when I'm out here and I'm in LA or Boston everywhere, you know, I try to take a picture with every kid or yeah. sign an autograph because I know if I could have did that with my idol, that would have been, yeah. that would have been it. But I had a chance to meet him. So it was, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really cool, man. And you can obviously see his influence in your game as well. He has a really similar, like you, you were, you were one of those players that was just always all around. You, yeah. could, you could do every single thing. And that's what made magic so great Absolutely. that he wasn't just, wasn't just a score. He was a, he was a world-class yeah, at so many things, you know, yeah. when you were in the league, who did you view as like, these are our biggest rivals? I mean, obviously, like the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, clearly. But if you have to look into the Eastern Conference, Detroit, Philadelphia, I think coming out, my personal rivalry was with probably Vince Carter because we was playing the same position. We was in the same draft. And so like a personal rival early on was probably between he got rookie of the year over me. I was kind of pissed at that. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, just... <laughs> Those are a few as far as teams and personal yeah. rivals. And then you guys put together big three in Boston mm-hmm. and then you play against big three down in South beach. <laughs> another, was that yeah, kind of another late, yeah, you late know, rivalry? Personal rivalry with LeBron. Obviously I had a lot of great battles with him. Yeah. Yeah. But by the time, you know, when Miami put together that big three with Wade, Bosch and LeBron, we were, we was too old for them guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they were all in there in their prime. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you just knew that team was going to be special. Yeah. And so, but thank God we 
You know, I think if we were younger, I don't know. I, you know what I'm saying? You know, it would have been entertaining as yeah. hell. Yeah, it already right. was. Like, yeah, it already right. was entertaining as hell. Yeah. But <laughs> if, yeah, put you put you all in your prime. Right. Give, give an even playing field. Yeah. That would have been interesting. <laughs> were there any times that you look back on when you were playing and like now and you think to yourself, like, I didn't realize what was happening. Like, I didn't realize how awesome that was. Or I didn't realize how incredible this was. And now that I'm like removed from it, I can look back and, and have this different, different appreciation for that moment. I think the whole journey, you look at it like that. Yeah. Because like when you're in it, you know, you, you're just in it. You're playing, it's you're busy. putting in the work, it's busy. You're waking up in the summer, getting ready to continue the journey to be one of the best. And you don't realize it until it's over. And then you look back and I was like, damn, I played 19 years. Wow. I won championship. I won a three point contest. I did. You know, you don't, you yeah. don't look at it like that. You yeah. know, you don't look at it until it's all over. You know, I made a hall of fame. I'm like, wow. Top 75 player. Yeah. It's all just starting to hit me now. Yeah. Like right. now. Right. <laughs> I've been retired like five years now. Yeah. And so, and you start to see the impact you still had on kids who watch you on YouTube, who probably didn't see you live. You know, yeah. you're seeing yeah. my kids come up to me and say, you call game on certain, you know, when I made the famous quote after I hit a game winner. And it's like, and you didn't even see that game. You probably watched it on <laughs> yeah. YouTube. And so you don't really see your impact until it's over. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad I was able to make a impact on the game yeah yeah and like i said i think i think you were definitely one of those players who who was able to do that like that it's it's already hard enough to make it and play d1 college basketball it's already hard enough to make it and just be on a roster for, for a professional basketball team but then to be able to excel even beyond that mm-hmm. win championships have an impact on the game nba top 75 like all these crazy things that have happened i i have to assume that when you're done there's got to be almost this sense of like Oh shit! What do I do now? Yeah, right. Like, did that did that hit you at all? Like, when you retired? Well, I mean, I know I wanted to spend time with my kids. Mm. I mean, that was one. But then I ended up getting into analyst work with yeah. ESPN, so that was like my calling next. Yeah, uh, which went on for like three years, which is great. But now, you know, as a, as a retired player, I just I love enjoying life now. Mm. You know, yeah. I travel. Uh, you know, I got my investments. I'm in the cannabis business. I do some tech investments, trucking and stuff of that nature. I spend time with my kids yeah. and I get a chance to travel. Yeah. So enjoy life because throughout the process of playing, you don't get a chance to enjoy your life. Sure. You're waking up, like I said, I've been waking up since 5 a.m. from the time I was 14 all the way to the time I was retired. Right. Right. In the off season. You're just staying in Kansas instead of going to L.A. Yeah. yeah. So right, now right. I'm like, I'm enjoying life now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And obviously still working on a bunch of other projects and things like that. You got this documentary in the works and some other things. Seen you on a bunch of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Saw you on um, my friend uh, Matt Barnes show yeah. uh, the other day, All the Smoke with Steven Jackson and those guys. And so still doing a bunch of other stuff like that. Where do you think the NBA is headed right now? I think the NBA is in a great place, man. I mean, I know LeBron is getting older. He's been the face of the league for so many years. Yeah. When you look at these young up-and-coming superstars, Nikola Jokic. Dude, it's crazy. Oh, it seems like man. they're all over. I mean, Devin but the, Booker. But you got to see, look at this. Have you know the international players are, are the studs. best players yeah. now. Luka. Luka. I love watching Luka, dude. He's so good. Giannis, Luka, Joker. D- these guys are studs. Yeah. yeah. Jean Morant. And so, you know, the league is in great hands with all the young superstars. Like yeah. you said, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum. Yeah, uh, yeah, these guys, and so uh, I'm excited for the, this generation who's next in line. Awesome to see that the guys are passing the torch. You know, even though Curry and Durant, Brian, LeBron, they're still yeah 
they still top players. Uh, they're they're, they're but formidable. Yeah. yeah, you know, eventually the <laughs> yeah. young guys are going to take over. So the league is in good hands. Yeah. Uh, where are you at on the uh, L.A. Boston thing? <laughs> You're back because you're back in L.A. now, right? Yeah. You grew up I mean, being an L.A. In fan. LA, you played for Boston for 20 years. Yeah. I mean, um, how do you? I'm a Boston fan. Got to be. I'm a Boston fan. Gotta I be. go to Boston games. Uh, I still cheer them on. You know, my jersey's reti- retired in there. You can't, yeah, you can't abandon green. shit, bro. Yeah, I, I bleed green. <laughs> I bleed green. Oh, man, I had to ask. I had to ask. Okay, so the show's all about reverse engineering world-class performers and mm-hmm. trying to distill some lessons for people that are for watching or listening. If you were to look back at your at your career, what do you think the maybe, you know, one or two differentiating principles, things that you lived by that nobody else was doing that enabled you to be able to stand out from everybody else and build quite literally a world-class career? Primarily for me, I wasn't afraid to fail. That's a big one, man. That's um, a big one. And as a matter of fact, I never even looked at failure as failure. I looked at it as a learning process. Mm. Like, if things didn't go my way, I was like, all right, I'm going to learn from it, whether it was on the court or off the court. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the biggest thing. You know, don't be afraid to fail, man. Yeah. Just make it a learning process, grow from it, and become better. Uh, it'll make you stronger in the long run. And nobody's perfect. Everybody fails at something. You exactly. don't get to a certain point. It's inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just got to learn from it. If you don't learn from your failures, then you ain't going in the right direction. You're not ever going to get to the next yeah, step. Get to, yeah. So. It's like if you don't know where you're going, how do you expect to get there without failing? Just don't you know? be afraid to. Don't be right. afraid to put yourself out on the limb in a good way. Yeah. Put yourself on the line. Take the risk. Take the yeah. risk. Yeah, I got to commend you on that, man, because like it's easy for me to sit here and say it because at every single level, failure exists. But when you're in a fishbowl and you have millions of people over the world that are like, you know, they're either cheering you on or they're talking shit or, you know, they love you. They hate you. There's so, like, there's, mm-hmm. they, they have opinions. They don't have it. Like, there's just so many, there, there's so many distractions at that level that like, I would not be able to understand being like, mm-hmm. you know, a entrepreneur and podcaster where I am. But it's like, it's easy for me to be like, oh yeah, you know, forget, you know, failure and, and move forward, you know, yeah. but that's why I love hearing it from somebody like you, because like when you failed, everybody saw yeah. Right. Like when you hit an obstacle, the whole world was there in the stands with yep. freaking like popcorn and beer, you know, watching the whole thing go, go down. So hearing that from you is, I think is so much more impactful than coming from somebody else. Because like when you talk about it, like you have the experience there, but then you also have the experience to be like, but then next season we came back, yep. you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's that process of just like building in a habit to just get back up again and keep going. Yep. Absolutely. What's got you excited these days, man? I don't know. Just being able to spend the time with my kids. Yeah. Like I said, because people don't understand how much you sacrifice when you're in the game. Yeah. You know, there's I, I, there's times I miss the first step for my kids mm, yeah, or, yeah. you know, a birthday. Right. You know, or not being home for Christmas. Yeah. You know, people don't understand those sacrifices when you play for so long and so many years. And, right. And so... I guess the biggest thing is, you know, being able to spend time with family. Yeah. Uh, being able to see the world. Being able to do things I couldn't do when I played. Mm-hmm. You know, I went skiing a couple of years ago. You know, contract. <laughs> yeah. You can't go ski. Right, right. <laughs> you can't go snowboarding. They got to protect their asset, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I'm doing yeah. things that I wasn't being able to do <laughs> when I played. And I'm having fun, man. Yeah. How did you, how did you like skiing? 
It was fun, man. I plan on going this year at the end yeah. of the year again. That's like going to be an annual thing for me. Dude, same. We're, we're planning a trip right now for because like I grew up in Southern California in the uh-huh. desert. I don't know if you know where Lancaster is. Yeah, I know where That's Lancaster. where I grew up. It's a 661 shout out. Uh, so I grew up there. Desert, yeah. right? I moved to Vegas, desert. So mm-hmm. we're every Christmas now we try to go find somewhere that has snow yeah. and take the family so we can actually like be yeah, around white fine. stuff for a little bit. Yeah, my son, um, he goes snowboarding. I mean, we, we, yeah, we enjoy it, dope. man. I mean, I got to ask you parenting advice, dude. So my son is three and okay. my daughter's 20 months. So anytime I talk to somebody who's a more experienced parent than I am on the show, I got to ask, like, what, what's the biggest advice or lessons you've learned as a parent? Make sure you childproof the house. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, that's some real practical shit right no, there. Real, <laughs> Speaking no. from personal experience on that no, one. <laughs> make sure you childproof it. Oh, my God. Just from, oh, I mean, they, you, have to, you got the one, especially the three-year-old, you got the stage where she's grabbing everything. Yeah. Off the table, opening opening drawers, <laughs> opening cabinets, opening the refrigerator, <laughs> taking stuff out, putting it. Yeah. And I'm like, I got a one and a half mirror on it. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I learned from the other ones. You know, yeah, get some right. gates, get some gates. <laughs> Put in the doorways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put some gates in the doorways, small gates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny, dude. That is not where I thought that question was going to go, but it is a fantastic answer because, like, like you said, you don't realize it. Like yeah. you don't realize that like, like you don't know not to do that. Right. Like right. you will seriously injure yourself. Like you shouldn't drink that poison under the sink. Like don't touch right. that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me sometimes how we, oven yeah. oh, man. it's amazing to me sometimes how we like haven't killed all of ourselves. Like as right. babies, like, the, right. like you didn't. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm just lucky if my kids make it to the point where they can think for themselves a little bit, you know, where, right. where I can, Put some of the blame on them. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, dude, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, at the end here, I wanted to give you an opportunity just to kind of plug yeah. whatever you're working on, see man, where, where I, people can find more about you. Check out my documentary coming soon, Paul Pierce, The Truth. Cannabis brand, The Truth 34. Look it out. Look out for it in the cemeteries. You know, Truth B2 Trucking. Hey, I'm everywhere with it. I got my hands a little everywhere. Love it, dude. Love (laughs) it. Appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, man. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet and leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode.